in the 38 years since the United States has won four World Cup titles and four Olympic gold medals, making it one of the most successful national teams for the Americans. Those premier teams get a lot of love, but the 85ers, as they're known, have not. It wanted to be the world governing body of the sport, and yet it didn't want to recognize women's football. This has been a long, long journey, a story with many, many chapters. And it goes back long before this last year, long before 1999. And so I think the only place to start is by recognizing the very first U.S. Women's National Team in 1985. Welcome to a new series of Flame Bears, special edition U.S. Women's Soccer Original, celebrating the first U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am beyond excited to be co-hosting this season with FIFA Player of the Century, Michelle Akers. Hey, team! In this series, we'll hear from the infamous 85ers, they blazed a trail at a time when women's soccer wasn't an Olympic sport and the Women's World Cup didn't even exist. We get to celebrate these badass originals who I am so proud to call myself a teammate of. These icons you don't know yet, but we're changing that. They're players who came from all over the country, some on scholarships, others playing different college sports because women's soccer didn't even exist at the time setting the foundation for what is now the biggest event in women's soccer this summer. Their stories have never been told until now. Now let's kick it off to today's episode. Denise Bender is a former defender and a founding member of the first U.S. women's national team. She was one of the captains. Now, for those who don't know your story, how did you get into soccer in the first place, Denise? Well, I didn't play soccer until I was in high school. So I think I was 14. I was a swimmer and a diver and did gymnastics and track. Uh, there was these women in the community that started um, organizing women's soccer and their daughters played with them. So I think it was 14 when they said, do you want to come out and play soccer? And I, yeah, I said, okay. And then um, shortly thereafter, there was a club team called the Mercer Island Jockettes, coached by John Poignier. And so that's when I started playing soccer. And then shortly thereafter, the high schools started a team, a girls team. And it would, would have been, I graduated in 1977. So it would have been uh, 75. But uh, that's, when I, that's when I started. And then Mike Ryan, uh, I think, came to a game when I was a senior and watched. And then he, he invited me to play with the, with the adult, you know, the club team. So Washington State Women's Soccer Association back then was a very strong organization of women that were older than me that just had a passion for soccer and a commitment. And they actually developed a really strong women's league that was, you know, connected then with the Washington State Soccer Association. And we had a very organized adult women's league. So for people who were 
out of high school or in college or out of college, you had a platform to play competitively. And in fact, the Women's League was probably more competitive than the college because at that time we were pre-Title IX and we were clubs. And, you know, we were competitive, but also in college and paid for everything. <laughs> so I think that the club teams were, were actually more competitive in that we got to, uh, you know, be part of the USSF and go to the national tournaments and the regional tournaments. We played against the younger teams like Michelle's team, U18 team with Gina Casella and Michelle, who were my kind of idols back then. And uh, I tried to, you know, get my game up to be able to handle them, but. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, Bender, this is crazy. You're blowing my mind right now because it's so interesting. Cause for me as a kid growing up, and then I know that Seattle and the Northwest had such a developed women's soccer core because my stepmom sue acres she started playing when she was 25 but so and so i have always known there was a, an over 30s women's league over 40s and over 50s so i grew up with that and my awareness of that was there's all of this like it's normal and looking back and then talking to other people it is so not normal it, th this was like one of a kind thing in, in the country or maybe maybe uh, Virginia area, maybe Texas, Dallas area might have had a little similar, but it's so interesting. And then that's so funny that you said <laughs> I, you were trying to keep up with me like, uh, I don't think so, um, because I, you um, and your team that th they were so good. And to me, I might have not looked like I was uh, intimidated, but inside I was like, holy shit, holy shit, I'm playing against these women who are so good and so tough. But thank you for saying that, but that was my view of you and that team, so. Absolutely, I mean, we we played a lot of competitive matches against our peers, Kozars, the Tremors, California Tremors, but whenever we played the Flyers, uh, Scott Hayes and, his flyer team with Gina and Michelle as the 442 front runners. I, I was always like, oh, dance music. And I were like, okay, you mark Gina, I'll mark Michelle. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> don't let them catch the ball. Don't even let them touch the ball. Don't let them turn, you know? <laughs> oh my God. I Well, I think Scott Hayes went bald because he was trying to teach me how to do a, an actual run as a forward and not just react to the ball. He's like, Michelle, oh my God, do this. And I was like, huh, what now? So funny. Yeah, but you know, those women, the women's organization, Bernadette Noonan, she be, I mean, they were huge in, in getting us funds and integrated into the USSF uh, organization. And you know, they're no longer anymore. In, in Washington State, I don't know. I don't know how women that leave high school or unless they go to college, how do they get onto the national team? Because back then, you you played in these you know national tournaments and you had select teams that the organization also funded and promoted. But I don't know how it happens now. But those same women who were just you know just passionate. They, they now have 
developed Sue Betcher has brought walking soccer into Washington State. I haven't heard of that. Walking soccer? Oh, yeah. So it was originated in the UK in 2011, and Sue organized the first walking soccer league in Washington State. And now there's tournaments everywhere. So you can't run. You can walk. So it affords, if you want to play soccer in a different way, until you're 80 plus, (laughs) you can. (laughs) But, you know, after 30 plus years of organized games and showing up at, I kind of was taking, you know, a vacation retirement from organized events. But I think I may play again coming up. But all my college buddies play. That's so cool. So we, we, you were playing club soccer, and then you were at the Olympic Sports Festival. Yeah, walk us through. How did you get on the team? Well, let's see. So I've been playing with Mike's team for, you know, five years. And, well, I, I should say that when Mike picked me up on his team or invited me to his team, I played, but then I went to college at Washington State University. And my twin sister went to Western. So I played there for a couple years, but then I kind of was homesick for Seattle. So I transferred to the University of Washington. So when I transferred to the University of Washington, and that's when I started playing with Mike. And then we we went to the regional, you know, we won the state against the Kozars and then went to the regional tournaments and the national. So for 80, 81, 82, 83, uh, I was playing with Mike and then, and and trying out for the select team, I think. It's, and that's when, when then we got selected to go to Baton Rouge, to the non-Olympic sports festival, right? Yeah, and then from that tournament, the 1985 team was selected. I was selected on that team, but it, that's how I got onto the team. What What was your experience in, like, I forget who it was. They talked about us sitting down or being in the stands after the final match. And they, who was it Mike that read the, or Burhani, who read the list off? And what were you doing? What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, gosh, I, I, I can't remember. I mean, I remember training in Baton Rouge and Burhani, Ander Bahan, being the coach. And I thought he was fabulous as far as the instruction I got. And and I remember the game, and I remember Denise Boyer Murdoch uh, was uh, had heat exhaustion during one of those games, and actually ended up getting, I think, IV fluids, but I don't know. I think I was totally excited. I mean, you know, my whole career has been, you know, prior to Title IX, funding yourselves, and to be named on that team was, in honor and, and exciting. So when you came back from that that tournament, that first tournament in Yeslo for the U.S., what was that like for you? Did you just, I'm assuming you kept playing soccer club because that's that's our life, right? That's our lifestyle. But then with your career, that actually made money. How did that evolve? And that was that was that area your goal, like for a career to pursue, you know, later? So after I came back, yeah, I continued to compete in the regional, tried to the state regional uh, cups. 
And then, so I, I probably was the oldest member on the team. I was 25. Yeah, so when I came back, for a few years I played club, trying to try out for the select team and stuff. But then I uh, became a member of the Washington State Women's Soccer Association. I, I was a commissioner for an area in Seattle, right? Because I wanted to try to promote, you know, that competitive play for younger people. And I think we were able to increase the age or lower the age to 17-year-olds to play open adult soccer. Because it was just like 18, we got 17-year-olds. And then I became a coach. So I started coaching an over 30 team when I was 28. So I coached the over 30 team that, and I think we went to regionals one year. Um, so I started coaching in the state programs and playing, and then I was playing, and then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, I was playing over 30, and, and we won the over 30 national competition a couple of years, and then played over 40. And then actually, when I turned 50, we went to the World World Masters game in Australia. It's like an Olympic tournament for Masters people, you know. That was with, um, yeah, college players that I played with at the University of Washington and some other. And actually, we joined with the Maryland team. And we made a team called East-West. And we played in Australia and we lost in the final to Hawaii. And my team that we played with, I think they continue to play like in Torino, Italy, in, in New Zealand. And so that still goes on. These players in Seattle, I mean, they're, they're 70 and they're hardcore. <laughs> they're 70 and playing. Wow, it sounds like the foundation was laid from a very early age. It, it really was. Someone who knew Denise from an early age and came up with her is her friend Jan. Here she is. I moved to Seattle in 1981, where I was reunited with Denise Bender. We became teammates on FC Lowen Browser, which was coached by Mike Ryan. Went on to win multiple national championships, which at the time was the highest competitive level for women in the United States. I also, in 1982, received my A-level coaching license, being the first woman in the United States to do so. Thankfully, I only had to compete against Denise Bender once. That was in a college championship, uh, tournament championship game. The rest of the time, I, Denise and I were teammates. We've been friends ever since. Uh, Denise, as a competitor, very, very intense and focused. She had an incredible soccer intelligence. Her decision-making and leadership were exceptional. And she was loads of fun off the field. So Denise, you've talked us through the past and where you came from within your community. What do you want to see in women's soccer moving forward? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm operating kind of here from not having all the knowledge, but I'm not really sure how younger women get to play at a competitive level. I mean, I know they have the Olympic Development Program or Youth Program and then college, but what if you're out of college? As you can see, there are people playing at age 40 on the national team. 
Christine Sinclair and, you know, Megan Rapino. So, I mean, it doesn't stop at age 25, right? So, you know, it would be interesting to know how these people, how people at that age, and, and maybe that maybe were overlooked in college or whatever, and but are still maybe brilliant players. How do they get integrated into the, the level of play? You know, if they don't have the women's organization, then the select program, your only option is, you know, collegiate or I don't know. So it would be interesting to see how that happens. And then I, I, I think the walking soccer thing is kind of interesting, too, because it it opens up an avenue for people of all capabilities. Denise, what do you want to say to the current team? Obviously, things didn't work out how they hoped. Well, you know, I hate to take someone else's statements, but, you know, uh, Ted Lasso or uh, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali. But really, I, I feel like just believe in yourself, you know, believe in yourself and then never quit. Just you have to have the self-confidence and just believe you're going to win and never quit. Before we go, we wanted to share this beautiful moment from Jan as she sent us a video and audio recording from a Women's World Cup game. Hey, this is Jan. I'm at Eden Park in Auckland at the Japan-Sweden game. None of this would have been possible if the story or if the 1985 USA women's national team hadn't traveled to Italy that first time. The women that came before them in the 70s and the early 80s also deserve to have their story told because this is the foundation of what we got now. Thanks for tuning in to Flame Bearers and massive thank you to my amazing co-host, Michelle Akers. If you'd like to send in a video or letter of support or appreciation for Denise, please send it to P at flamebearers.com. That's Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A, P as in Potter at flamebearers.com. We'll catch you on our next episode.